You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So as you all know, much of the quote unquote healthy aging and menopause content out there is directed toward the general population, right? And as we know, the general population is not terribly active. And well, we are terribly active and we want to stay that way. And one of the biggest obstacles that active women run into during this time of life is joint pain and connective tissue injury. So the advice that we get that we should maintain the minimum amount of exercise and just make sure to move our bodies really doesn't apply to us. So I was very psyched to sit down with Dr. Vonda Wright, who is a powerhouse in the field of orthopedics in active people. Dr. Vonda is a board certified, she's actually a double board certified orthopedic surgeon, elite sports doc, a public speaker, a multiple time published author, a biotech consultant, a health innovator. I could go on and on. She's a firecracker. And her mission is to understand the causes of joint pain, ways we can improve our joint health, and how to stay active and fit as we age. She's also extremely well-versed in the menopause transition. So we talked all about the orthopedic concerns I hear so frequently in the membership and in the social media channels, such as menopause joint pain and that connection, which some people refer to as menopause arthritis, which isn't really the proper terminology, even if it feels that way. We talk about how the hormonal shifts of menopause make us more vulnerable to all of those itises we, we get, like plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, And of course, we talk about what to do about it all. I know you will get a ton of info out of this one. We we talked for a long time, so I don't want to go on too long here. Um, You can learn more about Dr. Vonda at drvondawright.com. I'll put that in the show notes. I do want to make a note that in the conversation that I had with her, she does reference testosterone therapy. And always on the show, I have to make a note that if you are an athlete, testosterone is banned in competition for women. And it is very hard to get a therapeutic use exemption as a woman, which is patently unfair. I could have a whole show on that, but it is just something to keep in mind. So that's enough of me before we get to it. I just want to give you the weekly reminder to come join us. We have a growing social media presence and the conversations are so great. And I see women doing such amazing things. It makes me really excited. Like they're so inspired by each other that they're tackling new challenges. And I love it. You can find us at Feisty Menopause on both Instagram and Facebook. We have a private hit play, not pause Facebook channel where you can come in and it's just this great growing community of those like-minded women. And if you want to deep dive into all of these things, active menopausal living, we have a feisty menopause membership where we get in-depth materials, expert webinars, sponsor discounts, book groups. You get the picture. You can come and learn about that at feistymenopause.com. And if you have anything you'd like to tell me or suggestions for shows, hit me up at my email. That's at hitplay.notpause at livefeisty.com. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you 
for all of the continuing great ratings and reviews and sharing on your socials. This show is continuing to grow by leaps and bounds and it is so exciting. And again, it really does. It's everything. It is honestly everything. When you share on your socials and you rate it and review it, it moves up, other people find us, and then I am able to get great guests. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So that is enough truly of me. Let's have a quick word from our generous and awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Women who ride bikes, and I am most certainly one of them, know that finding women's cycling clothing can be an exercise in frustration, right? And that's why I am so psyched that one of my favorite women-owned and operated clothing companies, Velarosa, has come on as a sponsor of Hit Play, Not Pause. Velarosa's kits feature bold, beautiful, colorful prints and patterns. And the collections, which I really love, are designed so you can mix and match the coordinating pieces to get more mileage out of your cycling wardrobe. Best of all, they fit like a dream. The chamois is super comfortable and perfectly placed. The yoga waistband hugs your midsection without digging in anywhere. And the leg bands are like 100% functional and flattering with no squeezy sausage leg effect that is a big nope for me. Whether you like to ride pavement, gravel, dirt, or your local trail system, Velarosa's got you covered beautifully. And now, thanks to their sponsorship, Hit Play, Not Pause listeners can get 15% off their first order at VelarosaCycling.com. Just enter the code HITPLAY, all caps, one word, at checkout. Again, that's VelarosaCycling.com, the code HITPLAY for 15% off. So go get some sweet Velarosa Cycling clothing today. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out-of-whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash Feisty menopause, I can tell you, it works. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And it's yeah, it's great. I mean, they're they're uh, they're a super 
they're super engaged audience. And I'm really excited to talk to you yeah. because, because diving right into it here, mm-hmm. so much of the messaging that we get, and this is one of the reasons I started the show when I started researching, it was a lot of the advice that I had written for 20 years for women who aren't active right? You should exercise. You should, it's easy to exercise just, you know, and like giving them all the easy ways to exercise. And for our audience, it's like, well, I'm a little past that, you know? So it, it, but there wasn't much for them out there. I don't think there's ever been much for specific high level female athletes who aren't, well, you, te- you talk to the pros and the world champions and are that you are in that environment. But I think there's a subsection of women who aren't couch potatoes. They're not adult onset exercisers. They're not, you know, as, as I've written, I call people who, who have never done it before and they're just getting off the couch, adult onset exercisers. Okay. And that's gotcha. who, right. Or the glory dayers, right. We're still talking about our high school volleyball medal or whatever. That was great. But now you're 40. But uh, so I think there's a lot written for the adult onset exerciser and certainly champions get a lot of coaching, but for that woman who is not a world champion, but definitely in really competitive, maybe they're the, maybe they're the age group winner. Yeah, no, that's that's a lot of our audience. They are age group athletes. That they are lifestyle athletes. I call them lifestyle athletes um, because that is a huge part of their identity. You know, even if they've never stood on a box at, at the end of a race, you know, they are still very invested in their performance, and rightly so because only three people stand on a box at the end that's of the right. race. So it doesn't. That's a very small minority of people. So. I think there's never been enough written for that caliber woman. And I'm so glad that you're addressing it. Uh, Thank you. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so, so where do we, you know, in the old days when you would go in and you'd be like, well, you know, my back hurts when I mountain bike, they'd be like, why are you still mountain biking? You know, like, (laughs) and you'd be like, well, cause I really love it. And I don't want to, sit on the couch, you know? So what, what, you know, my audience wants to move optimally at a high level. Yeah. How does the advice or does the advice, it has to differ for when it comes to orthopedic health, because that's what I always hear. Like it's exercise, all this stuff that we're doing is so good for our heart and our lungs and blah, blah, blah. And then people be like, oh, it's going to wreck your knees. Do you know what Not I mean? So, so much. That is yeah. a myth. Let's, let's talk about let's that. Talk like, about the, yeah. So number one, I want to empower your uh, 250,000 listeners. <laughs> if you are, if you are a woman or man for that instance, but you go to, and I'll speak to orthopedic surgeons cause I am one and I will, and I will, I will not take one bit of guilt for what I'm about to say to you. Cause I don't address people this way, but I'm going to recognize for our industry that we do a disservice to people when we say, well, if it hurts you, just stop. <laughs> what you know how old are you why do you still want to do that and I think the perspective really comes down to what is the orthopedic surgeon's own activity level are they a high level cyclist I mean there's a group in New York that I trained with they're in Central Park they're taking world tours to speed the, 
you know what? Yeah. Uh, they're less likely to say to you, how old are you? And, and, or, or, you know, there's lots of groups. There's lots of orthopods that are really active. On the other hand, there are a lot of orthopods that cop out to the ageism of you are of a certain age, just stop. Well, in 2005, when I began doing my research on musculoskeletal aging, I frank and I was a young orthopedic surgeon at the time, right out of my fellowship, I was frankly patted on the head. I huh? bet as a woman, I you oh must my god, that yeah. is one of the most sexist. I wrote for Orthopedic Today like years and years ago, and I was like, you guys are wow. That was a yeah. I hope it's well, changed. You know what? Uh, I have some. I. I have some amazing male colleagues and actually 94% of them are male since there's only 6% orthopedic women. But that being said, the sexism is rampant and it turns up in terms of opportunities or being taken seriously. So when I started doing my research on musculoskeletal aging in 2005, not enough orthopods in leadership were old enough. Well, there were the really old guys that invented it. Right. But, <laughs> but I, my research got literally patted on the head to say, oh, good project for a, a young surgeon, blah, blah. Well, over the series of 15 years, we, we did a series of um, original research, meaning I'm not, it's not just chart studies. It's I've got you in my office. We're applying something to you. And we're, so we did studies looking at, uh, uh, how, how old are we when we really do slow down? Because there's this myth that aging is this inevitable decline from the vitality of youth, which the definition of youth is changing, down some slippery slope to frailty where we spend the last 20 years of our lives dying. So I was out to prove that we could be healthy, vital, active, joyful, much longer into the foreseeable future if we were intentional and no one wanted to hear that more than the athletes you serve because they were tired of showing up in off the doctor's offices with their knee pain and being told, of course you have knee pain, you're old, just get over it. Well, the fact is it could be just muscle imbalance. I have Achilles tendonitis because I have a muscle imbalance in my glutes on my right versus my left. My left anterior uh, column of my hip, my capsule, my AD. Adductors, those muscles that move my leg away from my body are weaker and tighter on the left. And therefore it gives me an imbalance that affects my right hip. Do you see where I'm going? If someone just showed up in a doctor's office and said, I have X pain and they're like, oh, well, if it's knee pain, it must be your knee. If you don't take the time to understand what your athlete is saying and saying things like, when does it hurt you? Is it on the extension of your stride or the flexion of your stride? Stand on one leg. Let me see if your hip drops because your glutes are too weak on one side and you're running like a hula dancer and nobody needs to do that. Do you see what I mean? This going deeper, asking yes. questions instead of copping out to, oh, you're a 45-year-old athlete. And on top of that, you're a woman. And I'm going to say really frankly that I have lots of women, uh, athletes of all ages and skill levels, but mostly the high-level athletes come in and say, I was blown off because I'm a 45 year old woman and I was told to stop because no one would understand my capacity. And so you see how passionate I get about this. Mm -hmm. So they find me, they come to my office and we go through this process of listening. Athletes will tell you what's wrong if you listen to them long enough. Oh yeah. 
They yes. know their bodies, right? Yes. I yes, mean, they'll tell you exactly like in their heads. Oh yeah, well that's that's another that's another problem. But but yes, there's a lot there that I want to unpack a little bit as we as we go on. So you brought it up and I'd love to hear it. What what about running and and joint health and any crossfit we have a lot of crossfit athletes in in our sport too um i personally find that things hurt more when i'm not moving like if i am lifting heavy and running and stuff like i feel way better than if i am not like i i i tend to believe that movement is medicine i i have a very bias i'll I'll own that but but i heard you say you know, that the definition of youth is changing. And I'm very interested in like orthopedic, from an orthopedic health standpoint, what do you mean by that? So I want to clarify one thing. The point of my tirade that I just went on that I feel so passionately about is that do not accept the first answer you get from your doctor. If you choose someone who doesn't believe that you can be healthy, vital, active, joyful, long into the foreseeable future, because they're judging you through their own lens of inactivity, find another doctor. There are plenty of, uh, of people who will take the time. So that's, I'm just empowering you with that. I hear, I hear that a lot, but like, I, I, I can tell them where to find a menopause trained doctor, but how do I tell them how to find an orthopod who is also, I mean, I know by me, I have practices that, that advertise that coordinated health. They are all runners, cyclists, all kinds of things. And I can find a doc who's like, yeah, I race on the track. I totally get it. You know, the tra- track cyclist. Um, but I don't know how other people would go about finding those things. So I think it's, I think it is um, worth investing some time in interviewing doctors, right? Okay. So, you know, you spend it, you devote so much time to not only fitness, but performance. And it's a, it's not just an add on in your life. It actually is your life, mm-hmm. a framework of your life. So it is worth taking the time to interview doctors about what, it, what do you mean by being comprehensive? What do you do in your own life? What is your view of the aging athlete? And in that interview, you'll see if the person is rushing out the door with their hand on the. Yes, I've been there. Yep. I actually told someone to sit down. (laughs) I was like 21. I'm like, please sit down. And he was right. (laughs) He's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know what, the guys who just want to do procedures all day and not really talk to people, it doesn't mean they're bad surgeons. It's just, it just means that if you want a conversation, invest in the time to find the person who will do that with you and really understand the mechanics of your injury. Um, So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, you must go to a board certified doctor. And this may be a controversial thing to say in this group, but there's a reason that people get certified. It's because anybody today can hang a shingle and say they're an expert in something. And there's a very little way to verify that other than you must search out a board certified doctor. So there, there are several kinds of sports medicine doctors. There are orthopedic surgeons who have gone through four years of medical school, five to seven years of residency, and then done a fellowship like myself, specifically Mm -hmm. in sports medicine. You can go to somebody like that and you're going to get an expert, number one. Number two, there's also a kind of sports medicine doctor who are not surgeons. They are medicine people. They can be internal medicine, family practice, pediatrics, emergency. They too 
have then done an extra year or two of training specifically to take care of athletes. Those are the kind of doctors I recommend. Okay. So just like you wouldn't go get your nutrition advice from somebody who, you know, just read a few books, you need somebody who actually has become an expert, um, either through their own experience. I mean, I would take a world-class coach that, that has done a lot of, ex- had a lot of experiences training world-class people about nutrition, but I would also take somebody who's a registered dietitian, but done a fellowship in sports nutrition, right? right. There are those right. qualifications. So find the experts. And then when you find the experts, interview them and make sure it's a match, right? So I just want to empower your group not to take advice from someone who won't listen to you. And how do you find that? Well, it might take a little bit of work. You might have to do telemedicine with somebody like me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you may not need me to do surgery on you, but you may need me to have a conversation. And there are other people like me. I'm not trying to pick my business here, but But that's what I would say about finding an orthopedic resource, finding somebody who knows a little bit about comprehensive care is the fact that you're having knee pain due to not only your muscle imbalances, but maybe you're carrying 30 extra pounds because you are menopausal Mm -hmm. and your estrogen has walked out the door and it's a little less easy. In fact, I'm telling you my story. I used to be able to if I had gained five, I'm a little person. I'm only five, five, four. I say I'm probably only five, two, but <laughs> it was easy when I gained five pounds or whatever, 10 pounds, I could easily run it off. Like no problem like within a week or two menopause changed that for me. So there are maybe those of you listening who have gained the 10 or 20. Well, think about your poor knees as an example, our knee, our joints bear, Uh, seven to 10 times body weight. So if you've gained 10 pounds, that's an extra almost hundred pounds of pressure across Mm -hmm. your cartilage, which will unwrap, which is also feeling the effects of the loss of estrogen. So I may say to you, listen, we're going to, we're going to manage your muscle imbalances with this exercise, uh, elite performance therapist, the PT or the exercise physiologist that will balance you. We're also going to talk about how to get a little bit more control through smart nutrition on this extra load and your inflammation, because that's another huge thing. That's the way you approach a master's age athlete who still, who wants to perform and be as much as they've ever been. And if that's not the conversation you're having with your orthopod, find another one. Right. Right. No, that's, that's, uh, that's great advice. And I know when I go to a start line, I see athletes of almost any age, um, most of them still men, but there are more and more women out there. I mean, do you, I'm hearing that there's no age cap on, on my athletic life. Your athletic life will change. I think yes. there's some advantages to being a master's athlete, especially a high-performing competitive one. Number one is tactical acumen. You have done your sport so long, you don't actually have to think. It's like typing. It becomes, okay, all those little micro decisions that an athlete makes become more second nature as you age. You need to harness the power of that, right? To as as a strategic advantage. Number two, you know, if you're an endurance athlete, uh, endurance athletes last a lot longer than power sprint athletes, right? In terms of their aging. But I think the other thing we have found 
for master's age athletes is um, you have to change your training. You know, if you look mm-hmm. at the last generation of champions who are now becoming master's age, Dara Torres or Michael Phelps or just any number of them. Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. They do not go gut it out for six miles in the pool or whatever, you know, Dara Torres used to do. Or mm-hmm. Tom, Tom Brady is so regimented in his regiment. I mean, he's developed an entire program about it, TB12 or whatever. So, I mean, you have to not just go gut it out. You have to be con- concerned with your smart nutrition, your sleep and recovery. Uh, I mean, you cannot underestimate the value of getting sleep. Now, when I was coming up as a surgeon, I know for a fact that I can, I can perform at a high level for 40 hours. And then I go over some kind of tipping point and I, somebody, you know, I really got to get in bed. Um, but 40 hours, how do I know that? Well, that's ridiculous because I lived that. And I know that I, on four hours of sleep, I can function wholly as if I had gotten an eight, but that is not healthy, right? Mm -hmm. We need to really pay attention to our rest and recovery. So smart nutrition, rest and recovery. We need to change our training so that we don't waste any time. We need to be highly efficient. Why are you doing this exercise? How long are you doing it? What does this training regimen get you versus let's just go pound out you know, 20 miles. Cause I can, cause I'm 20 years old and I feel nothing. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Highly efficient. Um, and I think that's what enduring masters age athletes do. They're just really smart. Right. And then, and then with injury, I don't know, we're all still a little, we're all still a little stubborn and we, you know, we're going to gut that out and we're going to come in. We can, when we can barely walk instead of coming in when we first have the I'm telling you my own story again, you know, I'm ramping up my training. I always get right Achilles tendon pain and left iliopsoas or hip flexor pain, or it's opposite, opposite, doesn't matter. But I always get it because I have a consistent imbalance. I could wait until I can barely walk up the street or I can do what I did. And I went to my elite uh, elite performance therapist and got it's called, he calls it rolfing. It's a myofascial technique where we're I know just, I mean, it hurts guys, but he's releasing <laughs> that fascia and giving my joints more room. That's the smart approach. Go when it's minor. Don't wait until you have to take three or four weeks off your intense training because it hurts too much. And then you get all kinds of compensatory issues, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to ask your, your thoughts on body work and you've just segued right into that because I, you know, I didn't start, I was sort of a late bloomer. I didn't start racing semi-professionally until I was like 40, you know? Um, and I swore I have a uh, massage therapist. It's, it, it, I, it's barely that those words don't do what she does justice. I mean, she is a intuitive healer. Like when I'd be in like, yeah, I'm feeling this here. Like you said, oh, it's your, you know, it'd be my ankle. She's like, oh, it's your shoulder. You know, like she would just sort of like, like work. And I credit Rose, Rose, you're the best um, for keeping me going all those years. Like she was just so good. And I think that, uh, you know, we can all do a lot ourselves. There's so many massage tools, right? There's so many recovery tools. There's all that stuff. But I, I personally think that finding a person who with a good set of hands and a good set of intuition goes an awful long way. Like you're saying with the, and as soon as anything pipes up, like going in, just go get it, get it done. And you know, to that, I'm not, I'm, 
it's more than just getting grassed and trained. I want to also put that out there, right? Mm -hmm. Physical therapists can get any amount of, of, um, other certifications. It's like an alphabet after their name. And I'm in, yeah. I, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I hire great therapists, but there's a difference between having a bunch of certifications and truly understanding the kinetic chain, how your, how your shoulder is connected to your big toe, you know? Right. I mean, it really is people listening are like, what is that doctor talking about? But for instance, it is not uncommon for my throwing athletes to um, have hip pain and shoulder pain at the same time, because if your hip is tight, you are going to get, you are going to get power in motion from your upper back. I mean, how in the world are those two things connected? Totally connected because it's not like we have a knee and then over there, we've got a hip. We've got a knee that connects to our hip, that connects to our lumbar spine, that connects to our paraspinals, that connects to our scapula. So you got to follow that. So when I have a tight right hip, I also have a tight left scapula because I engage my paraspinals because my right hip isn't functioning. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of progressive conversation that you need to have and that people like your intuitive healer, she's intuitive because she knows the kinetic chain. Yes. She well. understands the connection to the body, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and those people are hard to find. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they are. But, but your listeners need to do that. Gosh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm all over the place today, but there's so much to say. And no, so you're right on the money. <laughs> Vonda, you're right and on so the money. So few people who really care like you and I do about this topic. Yeah. No, you know, everything you said is so gold. I, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate it because this, this is something that really, really impacts our audience. I mean, a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, the hot flashes, the sleep, the, I mean, you, you, you sort of kind of know how to get on top of some of that, or you can find good advice. But the thing that stops a lot of people, like literally stops them is injury, right? Is, is that kind of pain and injury. They, yeah. can, they can deal with a lot of things. And then once that, once they're one thing that gives them like an outlet for the stress and gives them joy is, is threatened, it's a spiral. It's a terrible oh, place. It becomes mental health. I mean, I have had women in my office crying, not because, I mean, lots of women crying because this is what keeps them alive. And if we take away... And it's not just the adrenaline burst. That's not what I'm talking about. This, this literally is a pillar of life. And if you take it away. And so even if I am sitting in front of a woman in my office and I know we've got a long road to go together, I never take away their hope. And I guarantee them that me and my team will be right there. We are going to take care of you because that's what women or anybody wants to hear is that somebody is going to be on this hard journey with them. Right. right? That's what this group like is all about. That's what training. we're all about. <laughs> we're all on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk. I, I wanted to make sure that we talked because we're, we're talking menopause. And one of the things yes. I hear a lot 
is about that joint pain that comes up. And I'd like to dig into that. I've, I've heard it referred to as menopause arthritis, and that does not seem to be the correct terminology. So I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Just because one thing occurs at the same time, another thing occurs that is not causality. Right. But here's- oh, so you're saying they also have arthritis or is it an inflammation that menopause causes that can cause transient pain through that? That's how, this is how I unpack it. So, um, and I want to make sure we talk a little bit about HRT and how to find out the truth and sugar. Those are the things I talk about all the time. With all this right, let's, let's do it. Let's get into that. So, um, estrogen is ubiquitous in the body. Almost every tissue type has estrogen receptors. So it stands to reason that at the same time, your brain has changes, your heart needs estrogen, um, every body system needs it. It just stands to reason that your joints and muscles would be affected by the loss of estrogen. And in women, loss of estrogen is precipitous. In men, testosterone kind of slowly goes. In women, it's like, I always say estrogen walks out the door. It's like you had a, you had an argument with your best girlfriend. She's like, I'm out. And she goes away. Well, um, joints and cartilage in particular are the same cartilage. Uh, your listeners know is the smoother than glass lining on the ends of all bones. Cartilage is actually incredibly slick, right? It's, it's coefficient of friction is, is, is uh, better than ice, but it's fragile. of it is water. It is a matrix. It's got very few cells in it to keep it going. And those poor little cells are not in a huddle. They're separated from each other. So you've got this giant matrix, a few little cells and a lot of water. So a lot of things impact it. It is dependent on hydration as we dehydrate with age and estrogen is thought to be a something that helps us keep hydrating estrogen dehydrate. I mean, a uh, cartilage dehydrates and it becomes less able to do its job. Its job is shock absorption, right? Um, so uh, the lining of the knees, which is called the synovium is a highly reactive tissue that can become inflamed with nothing. And so, I mean, all there's, I have not found direct studies that say X drop in estrogen causes X amount of joint pain, but the association is real. But so my first advice is not to start when your joint pain shows up. If you're a master's age athlete, I would start when you turn 40 to prepare for what's coming. Okay. Okay. You know, it's coming unless you die, you're going to turn 50 or 51 and you're going to go through menopause many women earlier, if I reflect back on my own, I mean, I'm 54. Now when I reflect back, I was in the best shape of my life at 40. I was brick workouting. I was, I was as ripped as I ever was. I was never really, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't bodybuilder ripped, but for me, uh, and then I had my child and I was, I never pushed myself hard enough to get into that kind of shape again. I was back in shape, but not that great. But if I reflect, it really got harder about 45, 46, because I think I was perimenopausal and I didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. I should have. I'm a doctor. I didn't. My period <laughs> changed. My moods changed. It got harder to lose the belly fat. Um, I was inflamed more. So if I were you guys and you're not 40 yet, 
40 is time to get your shit together. You're, it's a critical decade because 51 is coming. So use the 40s to optimize everything, your smart nutrition, getting your muscle imbalances worked out, start lifting weights. If you haven't done it, you need your lean muscle mass and it's going to go away in menopause if you're not prepared. Um, figure out your stance on homeward replacement therapy. There's a book. I mean, there was that, that there was this women's health initiative that came out. Oh my out God, we talk day. about it every show, like just trying to I put know. it to bed. <laughs> put it away. Do not read that study. If you are still on the fence about the role of hormone replacement or estrogen replacement, the best research-backed book, I mean, thank God I didn't have to read all these papers because Avram Bloom and Carol Tavris did it all in their book called Estrogen Matters. I listened to it cover to cover. Carol reads it on Audible. Then I read it and then I interviewed Carol. And if you have any doubt, this book goes through disease by disease, the role of estrogen and how we don't need to be afraid of it. And so, and then find a practitioner that will help you either get estrogen replacement or hormone replacement. If you have your uterus, you need hormone replacement, estrogen, progesterone. If you don't have your uterus, you just need estrogen. Someone that will help you either in a prescriptive way or, you know, there's a lot of controversy about this. We don't have to get into, but I do, I replace my estrogen with creams and uh, estrogen and testosterone actually with creams and it works for me, but find out your stance on this. Do not wait until you're in the throes of hot flashes to figure this out. And then number three, you are also painful and inflamed because you eat too many simple carbs. I am not, I am not anti-carbs. I am anti-white refined sugar. I am anti so much white bread that your body doesn't have to work for the carbs. There's no, there's no benefit. You're not using calories to burn it. Right. But what I do know about simple carbs and sugar is that it's a huge inflammatory and then it will make you hurt. And again, I, I'm keep using myself as an example, but I think to be authentic with your audience, I need to tell them that I have lived through this too. And I, when I started feeling a uh, perimenopausal, it was the first time that I cut out all white sugar totally. And it was like coming, I'm a sugar girl. I'd rather eat cookies for breakfast because, you know, or dark chocolate, which I still do, but I have to cut myself off cold Turkey. I cannot just decrease a little a day. I'm either on sugar or off. When I am off sugar within three days, my body de-inflames and I feel it. When I'm on sugar, I step out of bed and I feel creaky and achy and, uh, and I'm taking short shuffling gait like 90 year old people do within three days off sugar. I feel de-inflamed about seven days later, my taste buds change and I no longer crave it in between. It's kind of tough. And I do a sugar detox with people. And I tell them, you know, I'm going to call you every day between day three and seven, because you're going to find yourself at your pantry, opening up the doors, looking for carbs. And you don't even, you're mindlessly doing it because your body craves it that much. That's your gut biome, your gut microbiome talking. Want, I had, a, want that sugar, I had right? an expert on that. You're actually, your, your microbes want it really badly and they affect your brain access and your gut changes. And then you get other ones that don't talk to you that way. <laughs> That's what I've learned. And it doesn't take that long. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So those are my, uh, you know, talking joint pain with menopause specifically. Of course mm-hmm. you have joint pain. Estrogen's walked out the door. You can replace it. You can de-inflame the microenvironment. But to your point earlier, joints crave movement. Mm-hmm. We have to, as orthopods, we have to figure out how to um, keep people um, active enough so that they don't rust out right? It's like an old gear. It sits there in the, in the junkyard and it gets all rusty and won't move. Your joints will do that versus getting injured. And you do that by all the things you probably talk about all the time, which is uh, how to become balanced, how to train wisely, how to not injure yourself all the time, because there is no study that shows that running causes osteoarthritis, right? You can be injured, and progress osteoarthritis with running, but running itself, our bodies are made to move. We're designed like this with our biggest muscles below our belly button. If we were not designed to move, we would be, we would be shaped like Jabba the Hutt. I mean, we are very, nature is very efficient. You know, we were made to move. Yeah. Uh, right. So our joints require it. So you just have to be smart. Like we've talked about, um, so I want to, that was all awesome, but I want to make sure that the women who are 50 plus don't feel like, oh, I'm screwed because I didn't oh. start when I was 40. <laughs> so oh, let's, let's so make sure we talk about that. Yeah, let's make sure we talk about them. And and to be clear, you know, I, I just did a show about this. Not everybody goes through these, these, these tunnels the same way, right? Like I never had, knock on wood, any joint pain, but I hear from many women who are clear, just outright debilitated by it. Like, so there's a giant spectrum here that we're dealing with, but all of this is good advice for all of you, no matter what, because joint health is joint health. Oh, please. I'm so glad you said that. This advice is for everyone. I'm just saying, if you're 40, you better get your shit together. If you're you're 50, you're not too late, right? No, 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 no. There is never, thank you so much for saying that. There's never an age or skill level when our bodies will not respond. Do you know some of the original functional studies looking at how to optimized musculoskeletal aging through movement were done in 90 year old men in I do know that. nursing homes, right? Yeah. They put them in a chair, stood them up and down, did little, they gained 150% functional, um, functional function. So 50 is an amazing time to live. Listen, I already told you I'm 54 and I didn't get on the, I didn't get smart enough to address these things until uh, menopause hit me. Um, you can still cut out sugar and feel better if you have joint pain. You can still get on hormone replacement therapy if you choose to, because you have 10 years to get on it. If you have decided not to, and you're 65, you can't go on hormone replacement outside of the 10 year window, but, and the average menopause is 51. Um, so, so figure it out, get on it. Um, there is no age that, um, you can't ramp up your training. I mean, I choose to ramp up. I, in my patients who've never wanted to get more active, I use a method. I call it speed play because people always look at me squanchwise when I say fartlek, but it's this yeah, speed right. play method, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, we're going to warm up and then we're going to go faster than usual for, I, I do the three, two for three minutes, whatever you can maintain for three minutes. And then we're going to step back. We're going to totally recover for two minutes. That way you don't get discouraged because you 
you're huffing and puffing. You're not going to get injured because you're just pushing too fast. So we do three, two, three, two, and notice it is person dependent. If my pushing it is a, is a seven on a treadmill, but you're pushing it, is it a nine? Because you're that kind of athlete. We can still do the three, two method together because we're both then turning it down to three to totally right. recover. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we use that to build up stamina. If you've never done anything before, right? I think that intermittent method uh, works really well. And, and if you want to, I mean, you're the expert on this. I'm not, if you want to uh, burn a lot of calories and continue the burn, I mean, I think hit training, whether it's hit for weightlifting or hit for aerobic is just great. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to forget. I'm looking at my notes. I don't want to forget to talk about CrossFit for a minute, but what it, does it. that resonate with you? The, my advice with my patients to do speed play. Or oh yeah. No, no. We, we have a whole book coming out on that. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah, glad no. that you're verifying that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right. I, I, well, I have, I mean, you can see my, my shirt that I am wearing. I have my lift heavy, my lift, my lift heavy shirt on audience, my lift heavy stuff shirt on. Um, because we're all about that hitting those high notes and recovery less in the no man land zone at this point. Um, but definitely more of that, even Tabata's, you know, the, the, that kind of Tabata. Yeah. That kind of training. And yes. So you are, you are speaking you're speaking our language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so go in to talk about CrossFit. Uh, so because I, we just I, had a, a doctor on who last week, last week, this week, uh, they all run together. But yeah, I think she was just on this week's show and she is a CrossFit health doctor. And she, she encourages people to find even a 50 plus class, we know, which is like more scaled to those needs. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I always like to clarify my comments on CrossFit in that I am not anti-CrossFit at all. In fact, I'm fascinated by the CrossFit games and what those people are capable of accomplishing uh, as I struggle with my pull-ups. But here, it's another instance where you just need to be smart. What do we know about a CrossFit box, right? There are no mirrors. Mirrors are not in gyms so that you can see how good you look in your little halter top. Mirrors are actually there for you to check your form. There are no mirrors in a CrossFit box. That means you must have a meticulous coach. If you go to a box where no one's really watching you, no one has taken the time to teach you how to squat with your knees over your ankles, back in your seat, not over your toes, it's really, really important to find a meticulous coach because this is what's going to happen if you don't. I get lots of women and men coming in with blown out anterior shoulders. And I'm going to tell you why, or hips that are totally crunched up, right? Here's why is because if nobody's watching you and you're doing whatever the exercise is wide, and I'm showing people now, right? My, my hands are outside the, the lane of my shoulders mm-hmm. or, and you're going down deep, you know, you're doing your push-ups all the way to the floor, or you're doing any exercise your bench all the way back. Your shoulders are totally exposed in the front. The shoulder is an inherently unstable joint because mm-hmm. we you trade stability for motion, right? So because right. the shoulder is made of a plate and a ball, not a cup and a ball like the hip. So it's locked in. 
It's a plate and a ball. So if your rotator cuff, which are non-cosmetic muscles, meaning no matter how long you look in the mirror, you're not going to see your rotator cuff. Those four little muscles are what keeps your arm bone, your humeral head into the plate. And if we have not been do, if we've been doing big cosmetic muscle workouts, like biceps, triceps, delts, lats, uh, I think I already said traps, the things we see in the mirror, but we have not done the little stabilizing exercises, like with a body blade or little bands mm -hmm. for a rotator mm -hmm. cuff. When we're in a wide position in CrossFit and we're going deep and we're being pushed to exhaustion because that is the mantra of the class. One more, do more. We fail when we are exhausted. Most injuries happen in the last set, not the first set or the extra set. And then people come in with their humeral heads not being contained by their exhausted rotator cuffs because it's a ball and a plate, it pushes out the front and starts tearing your labrum or tearing your biceps tendon. And people come in with, I say blowout, it's not like your shoulder's really like open, but your biceps tendon is frayed, your labrum is torn, you have pain up here, you can no longer internally rotate without pain like this. Well, I'm, I know this is audio, but I'm demonstrating, you know, uh, rotating. She's doing, like, she's just rotating her arm like a, like the scarecrow sort of like yeah. or swimming. Yes. Yeah. Like swimming. Right. Yeah. And so I just want masters athletes to be as smart as we are and to the harness, the wisdom of our age to protect our joints, mm -hmm. protect your joints when you're doing all that. So I tell my, everybody who's had a shoulder in injury that I then operate on or rehab they have to bring it in. They have to do yeah. narrow everything. It changes the exercise. It becomes more triceps than, than it's. I mean, and if you're in a good <laughs> box, they will scale with you. Yes. They will watch your form. I mean, I, I had a, they will insist on a fundamentals class. I mean, those things are, are very, very important. Very and important. I, yeah, I had a good experience with the one that I started with, but I know people it's like anything, right? It's like a yoga class. There's a, there's, not good yoga and there's excellent yoga and if you're not feeling comfortable with what you're seeing or doing try another place I mean that's usually what I exactly and yeah. for the hip pain I get a lot of, I'm a hip arthroscopist um by and large but I do everything but I by and large hip arthroscopy and CrossFit requires people to drop heavy and fast with a lot of weight into squats right so my caution is not every hip is meant to hyperflex. Some hips have a lot of bony motion and you can just, you're like a Gumby. You can put your legs backwards everywhere. But if you've always had stiff hips, if you have never had much range of motion, be very careful as you're dropping heavy and deep, make sure you're totally mm -hmm. controlled because if you've got a confined bony hip and you're making it go in a place where the bones are going to hit each other, you're going to come to see me pretty soon. Right. So just be smart. I guess that's what I'm just trying to say. A lot of the injuries that uh, happen can be prevented if you just have a little more understanding and more control and you've got a meticulous uh, coach in your yeah, mouth. Yeah. Those things, because it's easy to get caught up and swept up. I mean, the music is blaring and everyone is like, and it's exciting and it's cool. But, you know, I had no problem because I was not trying to be a CrossFit athlete. Like I was very clear. I'm like, I am a spike racer. <laughs> you know, when I do these things, I am here as a sup, you know, a supplement. This is not my thing. So yeah. I am never going to go for my one rep max. I don't care. 
I'm never going to try to be on the top of that board. I don't care. I'm just here, you know, to like, you know, get and and it it suited me very well. And and the and I really appreciated that the coaches were great. They 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 walked around the box all the time. You know, like yo, like you're saying, like your form. You know, they they were very good at like getting you to feel the right form, which was it's important. So important. Yeah. So, so it, it's funny you do talk like about, I, I, cause I had a question about women and shoulders cause that frozen shoulder thing oh, seems right. to be something that comes up with women. And what is that about? So frozen shoulder, all that means is that the synovium or the, I, the lining of the joint, the inside skin, they're all, they're all terms I use with my patients becomes inflamed and anything that's inflamed the inflammatory reaction in our body, which is just like nuclear war. It's all these chemicals everywhere. Mm -hmm. The resultant is the tissues contract and shrink. So you can get a frozen shoulder when you're injured. For instance, you, let's say you lift too hard or you bang into something, your shoulder feels pain. We're smart. Our bodies are smart. Our bodies are going to adjust without you even knowing it consciously. So you start protecting your shoulder and instead of reaching for things, you start like holding your shoulder down within one week an inflamed shoulder will become frozen. If you don't move it, that happens all the time. So there's that there's the inflammation of injury. There's inflammation that comes with being over sugared people who have diabetes and high levels of circulating glucose are more, are more apt to get a frozen shoulder because sugar is a huge inflammatory and menopause not to, I just want to interject, as we've yeah. said before on this show, it menopause with that comes like some carbohydrate sensitivity and some insulin yes. resistance and some higher cortisol and some higher inflammation already. So helping so you're your already memory. inflamed, right? And then mm-hmm. so and, and frozen shoulder can come from nowhere or seemingly nowhere. People, you know, if you sleep wrong, maybe you're it sometimes it pops up and they're like, I didn't get injured. How in the world? Well, maybe you didn't, you didn't know it. Maybe you're protecting it. You didn't realize it. Maybe you're over sugared either because you are over sugared or chemically because we're in estrogen in menopause. So frozen shoulder just means that, that you lose motion. The biggest motion you lose is internal rotation where let's say you're trying to put your bra on and clasp it in the back and you can't even reach back behind your body anymore. Mm-hmm. People's hip arms get frozen at their, at their hips, at the side of their leg. Right. So it can get frozen in forward direction, this direction, but first it starts, you can't reach your back pocket. And then if you just ignore it or don't even realize it, cause you don't really need to reach your back pocket. Um, pretty soon you can't elevate your arm to get something out of the cupboard. So what do you do about it? Well, Number one, two, and three you do about it is go get some physical therapy because Mm -hmm. over time it will de-inflame. In my house, in my office, you not only get physical therapy, but we de-inflame by getting off of sugar. We talk about if you're on estrogen and we, and we do anti-inflammatories. I am not against short courses or even long courses if needed of things like ibuprofen and, um, well, ibuprofen mainly, acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, is really a pain pill. Right, right. Anti-inflammatories work on a different set of receptors and really do quench the fire. So that's one, two, three. If we do that and we can make no progress, I will do a cortisone injection into the space to really amp up the anti-inflammatory. Very rarely do I do that the first time I meet someone. 
what we're trying to do is get your motion back, get it to defrost without having to arthroscopically through tiny incisions go and clean out the synovium. Sometimes that happens. Frozen shoulders can last up to two years and few people tolerate that. Yeah. It can take, I know our research says <laughs> it can take up to two years to unfroze it, freeze a shoulder. Few people tolerate that after I send them for therapy oh a few God, times yeah. and they're like, I still can't move. They're like, you've got to do something, but I'm a really conservative surgeon. Some surgeons would offer that immediately. My advice to people listening is try the conservative route for at least one session of therapy, which is about six weeks or two. Do not jump in with a procedure, but if you can't get where you need to be and you truly have been working hard, um, then that is also an option. Excellent advice. A lot of my audience takes collagen. You mentioned like, do you have any thoughts on, on, I have not been able to find what I would call unequivocal research on collagen. You know what? I stand with you in that because I sure would like to find some. Yeah. But uh, because it sounds good, right? Sounds like, and there are some very positive papers on it. My main drawback is that um, the supplement industry is totally unregulated. They can say and do whatever they want. The collagen that's in that bottle could actually be sand for all the regulatory people care. And in theory, it would be fabulous if we could do something to build our connective tissue. But I stand with you that I have not found definitive papers. Lots of people swear by it, including a lot of doctors. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's probably in the same boat. When people ask me, it is in the same boat with things like glucosamine sulfate. And I was going to ask that. I've had tremendous luck with glucosamine. I know I've. Right. You know, the data, right? So this is how I phrase it to my patients. There is no data, Mm -hmm. but it's probably not going to hurt you. So if you find a reputable vendor that's not feeding you sand, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what this is, probably not going to hurt you. But in my experience with people, they need to take it for a while. Yeah. I mean, I've taken glucosamine for a long time. I had a, but I had like a little arthritic bump on my wrist from mountain biking that went away. So I've taken it ever since. I, I mean, it's just... You know, but I know, I I mean, I've talked to many orthopedic uh, people about this and they're like, equivocal doesn't mean it doesn't work. You know, I mean, like we're not test tubes. So like some people might get a. That's right. And so I don't tell people to come off of it. Um, I I just give them the data. Okay. There's one study called the dial study. It's a 50, 50, 50% of people helped. (laughs) Maybe you're 50. (laughs) You're in the good 50. Keep taking it. My only problem with collagen is that the gut absorption, the gut absorbs only tiny molecules. So I don't know. Collagen's a huge on the, on a molecular scale, it's a huge molecule. So I don't know how putting in your mouth is getting it into the places as a collagen molecule, because the body's going to break it down into the very basic components, just like it does any other nutrient, right? So if people are taking collagen, believing that they're getting strands of collagen in their mouth, in their gut, out through the bloodstream, into their tendons, ligaments, and that is so not what happens. But I don't have a reason other than no evidence and don't waste your money to tell people not to. Right, right. And, and that, which, which is excellent advice. And I always, 
You know, having followed all the research, I mean, I'm not a doctor, of course, but I've been in medical writing since 1992. You know, we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't know things like, like medicines is an organic science, right? And they're always discovering things like things that we don't know why that something would work or not work. I mean, we could discover something 20 years from now that like, oh, that's why some people had success with that. I, you just, I don't know. Well, and the other thing I'd like your very smart audience to realize is that research is expensive. And so, to, and nobody funds it. The government funds it. Very few people fund it. So what do researchers do? I'm a researcher. I don't do drug studies, but I, I, I do a variety of other ones. But this is what researchers with for products or drug studies do. They take a population, historically 40-ish year old white men, and they do their study. And then they get all the data and they're like, well, if it works in that population, it must work in women and African-Americans mm-hmm. and Asians. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the reason is because research is expensive and they're trying to do the best they can. But men are from Mars and women are from Venus down to the molecular level. Unless the study's done on a woman, we cannot be sure that it will have the same effect. I mean, look at heart disease. Oh, yeah. I mean, men show up clutching their chests. They're short of breath. They fall down. You know exactly what that is. <laughs> Anybody in the universe knows from movies that that's a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Women present with headaches and fatigue and I don't feel right. And I'm right. and then we're sent home to take a nap. It's, yep. you know, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that movie Yentl where this is this phenomenon is called Yentl syndrome in medicine, where unless a woman presents like a man presents, she is not recognized of having the disease or the problem. Right. That's why my mom had a massive heart attack, Vonda. And was never. They gave her stress nerve pills. Right. Because she was just stressed out. Yeah. So I don't even know how I got onto that other than to say, oh, we were women are not small men. So we're talking about research and that much of the research is. Yeah. And and the reason we don't know a lot of times is is supplements are unregulated. Research is expensive. Most research has been done on men. But now that women are rising and I've never been terribly burned my bra, actually not really at all. But from an intelligent, rational person perspective, it stands to reason that we need different studies and we deserve 100%. it. And women are rising and we're speaking out. We're 51% of the population. If you want something, we must ask for it. And we want studies done on women. Amen to that. So before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff I know that, that you're involved with and, and I'm interested in. And I know our audience, even if they don't know they're interested in, might be things like gait analysis and other movement capture. You know, I mean, what what benefit is it to an athlete who has been in this game a long time to maybe have a gait analysis on their running or have any of that kind of stuff? I mean, is, is there is there value to that to help athletes stay healthy, you know, over time? I think gait analysis can be a treatment and a prevention. So just to, just to, talk about something we've already said, the kinetic chain, right? So so what a gait analysis will tell you is how your interlocking links, you know, our kinetic chain is called a chain for a reason. Everything affects each other. So from the tip of your big toe through the first joint, through the midfoot, the the forefoot, the midfoot, the ankle, 
it's all connected all the way up to your shoulders and your neck. So if there's a kink in the chain somewhere, for instance, I get left Achilles tendonitis because I have an arthritic first joint of my big toe or second joint. Yes. I I wear a lot of heels. I always will wear a lot of heels and I've given myself arthritis. So I cannot roll through my foot over my medial column. I roll to the lateral column, which changes the motion of my ankle, which puts too much stress on my Achilles. It also does not let my tibia internally rotate enough. So the natural motion is roll through the medial column, hyperflex the dorsiflex the ankle more than 10 degrees that allows the tibia to internally rotate, which then goes up the kinetic chain, allows the femur to internally rotate and fires your glute, which is locomotion. If any one of those things is off, you're going to have compensatory imbalance. So for the athletes that you deal with, it's good to know where you start when you're not even hurt. What is your kinetic chain doing? I'm big about knowing uh, returning people to their healthy, right? So when the pro athletes we right. take care of, we measure all their stuff before they're ever hurt so that when they get hurt, we're returning them to them, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be done in that way. So you know, if there's already in an, in an uninjured state, a compensatory mechanism, you're, maybe your ankle doesn't dorsiflex enough. Maybe you've got a stiff knee and you can't internally rotate enough. Maybe you're already all imbalanced. For those that are injured, I think it's even more critical because a good motion analysis will tell you which joints are gummed up. Our muscles do not fire adequately unless they're at length. They get to the proper length by the motion of our joints. So uh, uh, if you have access to a good lab, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's good advice. And, and is there any, like what, what are you most excited about in the field, in, in your field, as far as innovations for keeping Two people yeah, in the game? I'm, I'm really excited about the increased role of orthobiologics, meaning the body will heal itself if we harness the power of our own body. My first career was in uh, cancer nursing and hematology. And so I, yeah, I've, I've been working. I didn't very, know that. Yep. Yeah. And so I worked in a stem cell lab for a very long time. And then in orthopedics, I had my own stem cell lab. And I believe that our bodies have the power to heal themselves. We just have not figured it out yet. And there's a lot of charlatans out there trying to prey on the fear of active people and athletes. So again, it's the same advice. Make sure that we're doing data-driven treatment. So right now there is good data for uh, platelet-enriched plasma, which is the the plasma part of our blood that contains platelets, which are really just little sacks of growth factors. And we have great data on their role in joint pain uh, and tendon injury and recovery. We are getting close on good data on stem cells. Right now, there's a lot of charlatans charging six, $10,000 to shoot stem cells everywhere. And there is no data. So if you have $10,000 to waste, you go. But, uh, but if you want data-driven science, um, we're going to get there. I truly believe it. And lots of people have a feeling of feeling better. I'm not saying people don't feel better. It's the same thing we were talking about before. There's just, you know, there's no, not quite the data yet. There's even less data on products like Amnion. And it, just because they're out there doesn't mean that there's great data. 
I'm very excited about orthobiologics because I believe we will figure out a way to harness the power of our own bodies to heal ourselves. It's the way we were designed. So that's number one. Number two, I am also really excited. Actually, I have three things. I'm really excited about nanotechnology in orthopedics, meaning that we went from giant open incisions for every procedure, even ACL, the first ACLs that were done oh, 35 yeah. years ago. These people have big total knee scars. Mm -hmm. I mean, we used to- Friend of mine at, from soccer, oh, like yeah. giant, Dude. like giant scars. Right. Now I do ACLs through two one centimeter incisions, mm -hmm. even when I'm passing graphs. I mean, they're tiny. We now have technology. There's several companies. Uh, Arthrex has great nanotechnology where these scopes are not, the, the arthroscopes we use do not require a one centimeter incision. It requires a 14 gauge needle, which is like a pencil lead. I know. So this technology is allowing scopes, will allow scopes to be done in the office. You can do simple things in the doctor's office, it may eliminate the need for expensive MRIs because you can visually stick a needle in the joint and see with your eyes, oh, look at this, look at this. Now it's not gonna be applicable to everything, but as technology and, and transmitting and computing increases, our orthopedic technology will get smaller and smaller and smaller. The other thing I'm really excited about in my own practice is my, I've always been focused on musculoskeletal aging. My research has all been on that, but I'm really expanding a part of my practice into something I call precision longevity, which is I don't want just to take prescribe health to you based on the fact that you have 54 candles on your cake and you're about to burn down your kitchen with all this. <laughs> I want to prescribe your health based on what your metabolic and your, and your um, physiologic ages. So I'm getting into measuring biomarkers and not just the common ones, but things like how many senescent cells, which are zombie cells. And we can talk about this on a, for another whole Yeah, day. that's another. another <laughs> but these cells that are contributing to our aging or looking at NAD plus and how do we supplement that up and how do we use lifestyle or non-molecular ways to be younger, longer, or molecular ways. Like I'm not giving this as medical advice right now, but I personally take fisetin to combat the activity of my senescent cells. All these ways to make longevity personalized because we can, we can sequence a genome for less than a thousand dollars. Now we can, we can characterize your microbiome easily. Why are we still applying medicine in a generic across the board way when we can now print supplements and drugs that are personalized to your biomarker needs? So it's something I'm really excited about. And it's my next evolution of the comprehensive care that I've always focused on. So it's not only smart nutrition, mobility, surgical intervention, if that's what we need, it's now being really precise in treating you as an individual because technology is here to do that right now. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a hundred percent the future. Yeah. Um, there's, we have so much knowledge and instead of using the old, I used to call it like the lawnmower or car analogy, you know, like, Oh, if something breaks, we just replace it, you know, or we just, you know, like that's what Western medicine has been founded on. Like, Oh, you're sick. Here's a pill. Oh, that's broken. Well, instead of, 
doing what you said, like getting this whole vast knowledge of us and then working with us to make our best us. I mean, it just makes so much more sense and it would save so much money down the line. Right. But so, we got to get there. Yeah. With menopause okay. too. All of it. Yeah. all of Can it. Can I ask you a question as a coach? Cause I've been struggling this in treating people for many years. I've tried everything to motivate people. I have shown up twice a week to work out with my patients and that works, but come on, that's a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> I have pointed my finger. I have hugged. I've done the pointing. <laughs> I've tried everything. I've done the shown up. I've done the coaching. Like I love you and we're going to get through this, but how can we motivate the 68% of our population in this country that prefer dying slowly on the couch? I mean, I feel kind of desperate about it. That's a, that's a, I've spent my, it's my life work. Honestly, I've spent so much time thinking about that. And unfortunately I believe that exercise is an artificial construct that we need in this life because we've engineered all movement out of life. Oh yes. So if somebody told me that doing something that I find boring and dreadful was going to add 10 years to my life, I'm not sure I would do it. If you told me, you know, macrame was going to make me like, li- like I would just be like, okay, I'll try. I'll try to macrame a half hour a day. And then at some point it would just be a pile of crap in the corner. And I'd just be like, I'm sorry. I just can't macrame. Some people feel that way about exercise. A lot of people. And I'm very, I used to be impatient with them. And now I'm incredibly empathetic and sympathetic with them because I get it. You have like, if you, and that's why the, the advice is what, like, find something you love, find something you love, find something you love. But a yeah. lot of people just don't love carving out time to change clothes and go exercise. You know, so I, I keep wishing upon wishing upon wishing that we do engineer more easy, enjoyable movement into our lives through architecture, city planning, you know, city bikes, all that kind of stuff that matters closing fifth street. I mean, if anything, the pandemic showed us is that people will go out and move around mm-hmm. and, and, and find solace and joy and comfort and all those things that we already get from it, right. you know, but, but the, the, it has to be there in our structure. And that is a really hard thing to do, but yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist and I do believe that, we're moving in that direction because people are sort of making these connections and people do know that they feel less stressed and they feel better. And it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to move and be in nature, but like, we really have to put, we, we have so many giant barriers. So I could go, this would be a whole other podcast about car culture and, <laughs> you know, like all the things that we, that we've engineered out of our lives and made ourselves pretty miserable and unhealthy doing it, trying to think that we'd easy. be more. Make yeah. Right. Yeah. So so that's, you know, I mean, if, if anything, like I talk to people that way, I talk to them, I come to them where I know they're at. I'm like, mm-hmm. I get that you find this boring and terrible. Like, and I wouldn't want to do something I find boring and terrible either. So we need to find something that you really don't find boring and terrible. And that's the, that's the only, that's, that is really the only solution. Because we'll, we have a very finite amount of quote unquote willpower. And I hate that. You know, I like, so if, people already burn up all their willpower to go to work and <laughs> you know, to like do the dishes and do the laundry and do all that stuff. I'm already tapped out. Are you going to tell me I need to like do another thing? It's, it's too. And much. I'm telling them not to eat sugar. So there's another right, right, like, right? Oh, oh, all the joy in life. Hit play, not pause is proud to be sponsored by noon hydration in 2021. 
I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, and I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branched-chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support and head over to NoonLife.com. That's Noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, NoonLife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, with a capital F and a capital M, and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with Andrea Duquesne of Andrea Duquesne Kettlebell Fitness. She is the OG of kettlebell workouts, and we talk all about, you guessed it, kettlebells, how to use them, why they're great for women, especially women in menopausal transition. So see you next week for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.